The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. Now we're going to move on to what is happening in the papers this morning. With me is Mark Hennessy, Ireland and Britain editor from the Irish Times, and Philip Ryan, political editor uh, from Media House Ireland. Welcome to the studio, both of you. Good morning. So I'll start with you, Philip. What has been catching your eye? I have been drawn to the Daily Mail, which is typical of me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we're not talking about Harry for once. We're <laughs> yes, we're um, talking about an Irish thing. Yeah. So look, Brian Matten has done an interview here with uh, Richard Donoghue and Michael Collins from the, who are a couple of independent TDs, um, quite well known ones, quite outspoken ones, who are trying to put together a new political party um, called uh, Ireland Ind- Independent. Independent. Not to be confused with the Irish Independent. Um, independent Ireland. No. Independent. Ar- is it not the Ireland? Independent Ireland? Independent no. Ireland. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you said there that they're trying to do it, but he's very much, he thinks that, you know, this is happening and... They have registered the party. The party's registered with the standards in public office um, or with the Electoral Commission, I think it is now. Um, They've made the first steps. They say they're talking to between 60 and 70 candidates they could run in the local elections. Six zero. 60 and 70. 60 or 70, which is quite That's a lot. That's significant, yeah. very impressive if they can get that far. Um, they're also, the suggestion here that they're talking to <clears throat> a number of TDs and senators, both inside and outside of government as well, and councillors, who they believe could uh, leave their government parties to join them on this mission to, to be a party that... Uh, I remember previously speaking to Michael Collins, they were trying to pitch it as... Uh, essentially an alternative to Sinn Féin. So you're disenfranchised with the government parties. You're okay. annoyed by the Greens' uh, impact on rural Ireland. But at the same time, you don't trust that Sinn Féin are going to be the party that you want to govern Ireland. So you're going to turn to these guys who, now they, while they are rural-focused, they, they do hope to also uh, have run candidates in urban areas as this as an, a new opposition party, let's say, that takes together the views of the regular people and... Um, drafts policies to, to, to reflect that. A big issue that they're obviously focusing on is going to be the immigration issue and it is something that both TDs have raised uh, consistently in the Dáil. I'm wondering whether we need a new political party and I'd like to get listeners' feedback on this. 53106, text us for 30 cent or 087-1400-106. Do we need a new political party, Mark? Like, And if they're going to be... Look, they, they've said here, the headline is we vow to poach TDs and senators. If they're poaching sitting TDs... Is it even a new political party? Well, I'm not sure you can ever use the word need with political parties because either if they succeed, they're needed. If they don't, they're not. Mm. Um, Their problem is going to be, uh, A, they are going to be seen as a rural uh, organisation. Which they're vehemently against in the Daily Mail. Yeah, I know, which they're saying they're not. But I mean, Michael Fitzmaurice and Michael Collins in in, uh, Cork South West, you know, strongly rural, very rural and very local in terms of the issues that they that they often talk about, um, and they're going to be seen in that fashion, and, and that's going to be. But equally, you know, both of these guys are people who've won seats, and more importantly, they're people who've held seats. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not amateurs, and there is a, a, a cantankerous mood out there, and they were focusing on immigration uh, seven eight months ago when none of the major uh, parties were doing so because everybody largely closed down on the issue, and these guys, to an extent were reflecting what was going on in, in uh, rural Ireland. And at the other end, we're obviously seeing a political room for political advantage in focusing on the issue. And it, the immigration is probably going to be one of the issues of uh, the local election campaign, let alone anything else. 
and it's very difficult to predict how that's going to play out with people on the ground. I yeah, I, d- I, I do think on that immigration issue that there isn't, there's definitely a, a movement of, you know, government saying like, oh, anyone who's anti-immigration is far right and they're a racist. But there are people who have like hesitancy and concern yeah. Yeah. and they those there, people... There are many people who are anti-immigration and are far right and there are many people who are concerned about immigration who are not far right. Who are not far right. And if, if uh, political leaders are going to paint everybody with the same brush, that is going to lead to a situation where uh, that middle ground camp will put two fingers up to political parties. We have a text here telling me that if choice is fundamentally a good thing and that the more parties, the merrier. Uh, and David and Kilkey says, being from Clare, I think we could never go wrong with more rural, regional representation. Perhaps, and, and then Liam says, perhaps having another political party option would encourage the current government to feel pressure to do something about the housing crisis. Liam has pivoted us that way, so let's go that way. Do you think that government are doing enough about the housing crisis? We see here today in the head of the uh, the cover of the Irish Times, Paul Philip, um, that thousands have just built without planning permission and they're getting away with it. They're just saying, I'm going to build this and ask permission afterwards and it's working. Yeah, this is extraordinary. This is a bit of an investigation by uh, Amy Malloy where she went to, to all the councils around the country and asked them specifically how many of these properties have been built outside of the planning system and what transpired afterwards. And the, the numbers are quite extraordinary when you look like in Dublin, they're the amount of retention applications, this is essentially seeking forgiveness rather than permission mm-hmm. for your house. You've built it, your extension or your new house or whatever you've done. So they went on, They've of the 1,260 retention applications to Dublin City Council between 2019 and, and 2023, only 193 were refused, you know. So, but ha- so when it's refused, is that like, no, you can't keep your, you have to knock down that extension? Essentially, yeah, like that, that's what would happen. Like you're saying, okay, you, you've breached it. But even in those instances, I'm, I'm not 100% sure a lot of them even get I taken down. I guarantee you, you like, didn't yeah. have 193 extensions. Extensions knocked yeah, down. this is the thing. Like, yeah. So it, it really speaks to, well, now this story is out here, but there's a lot of people just chancing their arms, building things and going, look, look, let's... Like, but is that, okay, devil's advocate, but is that a bad thing? Because Absolutely. we constantly hear about how bureaucratic and red tapey yeah, the planning permission system is. But I mean, you know, this gets back to, uh, an, an awful lot of the focus is on the state's uh, and failures in, in on housing and the state's failures are long and legion and there's no doubting any of that. But equally, local authorities have been left get away with blue murder an awful lot of the time for mm-hmm. the level of inefficiency that goes on mm-hmm. uh, in, in in so many of them. And you look, most of us would have travelled through uh, small regional towns and villages uh, over the Christmas period and all you see going through towns, every uh, second floor uh, is completely dark. There's yeah. nobody encouraged uh, to um, uh, to live in, in centre of town. And you look at people who are looking for refurbishment grants for under the Creek Kinnehy uh, programme and you'll see how long it takes them uh, to get... Um, uh, but that's get why I'm that. saying if it's going to take that long, yeah, just go ahead and build know, it. Just because, just because a, a, a government agency or a state agency of some form is failing to do its stuff doesn't give people free rights uh, to do what they like. I mean, our problem consistently as a society is we want to live in a rules-based society but we don't want the rules to apply to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all guilty of it. So I'm not mm-hmm. claiming to be any better than anybody else. It's very simple. Uh, and every uh, council official who grants retrospective permission is driving a dagger through the Irish planning system. There should be one rule and one rule only. You put it up illegally, you take it down and you do it on camera. 
And if you, if, you, if you did that on a regular basis, you wouldn't have to do it more than a half a dozen times before pe- would, uh, people would have uh, start paying attention. I mean, I remember... But why it, do it, we need permission to put up... Now, some of these are minor. Like, obviously, one, if you're just... Case bis- here, there's one of the cases here uh, in the article, which is a recent story where it says... Let's not get into the specifics. No, of no it, I'm not okay. naming a house, but it, it is named Basically, here. somebody built a full house. A recent decision involved the owners of a seven-bedroom mansion worth 8.4 million. Okay, and we've heard about that story, so yep. we're not going to go into the specifics yeah, of it. But I think most allowed, of the you're time... You're allowed to put up an extension of, I think, 40 square metres, I think, yeah. without a planning permission. So it's not... But there's no way that these 11,000 people that we're talking about that were granted permission after the fact built full houses. No, They're no, no. small it's, it's things. not just full houses. It, yeah. It, but it, they are breaches of the planning code. They are things where you are supposed to fill in a form, yeah. get permission and yeah. go ahead and build it. Either, sometimes you will get permission. Sometimes yeah. you'll have neighbours saying, look, you're blocking my lights or you're... And, and it'll become an issue and you, you may have to appeal it and maybe go to on board for not, well, not for an extension, but... Yeah. But, but what about people who say that the planning regulations that we have at the moment are contributing to like a nimbyism where you can like you, you can contest or object to planning permission for something that has absolutely no impact on you and that actually throwing up your garden shed that you're going to let your granny live in and asking for permission after the fact. It's, it's, it, you don't get the same level of objections to people putting up an extension in a housing estate as you do to somebody trying to build 500 apartments in, in Cherryfield or somewhere like that. So we're not talking, we're not comparing like with like. We either have a system or we don't. And if we don't want that, then move to something like New Hampshire where you basically do whatever you want. And you end up with towns and villages that uh, run for 10 miles. We have to have some sort of a coherent planning system. There either are a set of rules or or they're not. If there are to be a set of rules, then those rules should be enforced. Otherwise, what's the point of having them? So how do we enforce them without, is that you're suggesting? By forcing people to take it back down the stuff down that they've put up illegally. I remember in the early 1990s uh, being in New York with uh, Irish uh, lads who were working on construction sites and Gianni Versace put an extra floor onto his apartment on 6th Avenue and the Port Authority were the regulatory uh, people at the time and they started paying very close attention to it so much so that the Irish lads copped their presence and they waited for Versace to put in his gold taps and uh, marble. And then made them... And then they came in and uh, told him to take it down. And not only did they tell him to take it down, but they found an ordinance from the 1880s which insisted that any construction material that was being brought down from more than four floors had to be taken down one hod at a time. So literally they had to cut up the bathrooms and, and the, uh, the baths <laughs> and everything else. And it cost him more to take it down than it did to put it up. We have some very... They leaked the story to the New York Post and they didn't have a planning infringement in that part of New York for six months. Well, I suppose you make an example out of people. Tom here has texted us to say an industrial scale building was built without permission in the centre of my local sleepy village. Eight metres high. Eight metres high. Surely not eight metres high. But anyway, eight storeys high, totally out of place without planning and is about to be given permission. It happens at that scale too. Planning is two tiered. Forgiveness is easily got. And then Deck has texted us to say there is no housing crisis. There is an I want to live in the city even though I can't afford it crisis. There are thousands of houses in rural Ireland that can be bought up, that can be bought and done up by the government. Really, is that true? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not sure or, that there uh, are... Th- deck, was it? Deck, yeah. Yeah, maybe put Deck in touch with Daryl O'Brien. <laughs> we can solve this crisis yeah. this morning.
There is a housing crisis. <laughs> there there are empty yeah. country houses and empty country houses are not the solution to Ireland's housing To Ireland's houses. And the, the, the rural houses became um, very expensive and very sought after during COVID as well. A lot yeah. of people moved down and a lot of those rural houses got bought up. Yeah, that two mile radius really felt a bit bigger when you were in the country. OK, let's move on to what's happening across the Atlantic. Um, Joe Biden, ever heard of him, um, was making yeah. a speech last night and he says that Trump is willing to sacrifice democracy to regain power and that he doesn't care. Well, let's just listen to a small clip of it first. Donald Trump's campaign is about him, not America, not you. Donald Trump's campaign is obsessed with the past, not the future. He's willing to sacrifice our democracy, put himself in power. Our campaign is different. I guess my question is, is anyone listening to Biden and being inspired by that? Like, does, does anyone... Does anyone care? Listen to the full speech. Yeah. One of the best speeches that he's given uh, in a long, long time. And he is clearly um, uh, going on the theme, this man is a danger to democracy. Ergo, you know, round up the troops and and all the rest of it. Um, He he believes, he believed last time he was the only Democrat who could beat Trump. He was right. Mm -hmm. He believes this time round that he's the only one who can, a Democrat who can do so again, which is much a failure of the Democrats that they haven't had career planning and career succession and all the rest of it, because clearly uh, Biden is 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 too old. And I think if all things being equal, if he was given the choice and if Biden or if Trump wasn't on the ticket, he, he would. said that, hasn't he? That yeah, like he he's only running because Trump is running. Yeah, but they uh, could really have. I think they could have teed up Kamala Harris if they'd done proper prayer. I have more chance of becoming president of the United States. <laughs> oh, I know. But if they Kamala had Harris, if they had no. invested in her no. properly, no, no. Okay, Grant, maybe I'm wrong. Not a prayer. Yeah, (laughs) but I think, is he not jumping the gun a little bit here and almost anointing uh, Trump as the Republican candidate? Because haven't the Supreme Court come out yesterday saying we're going to have a look and see if he can even run? There's lots of various loopholes to jump through. He is because the the Democrats want uh, Trump to be the candidate Mm. because uh, Haley, um, uh, the former UN ambassador, Mm. if she were to come through the gap, she would beat Biden. So they need Trump to be the candidate and they need to present him as being a threat to democracy. Now, you know, whether they can, uh, whether they can, they can do that. I mean, clearly anybody who looked at January uh, 6th and regarded it as anything other than uh, an insurrection is an idiot because mm-hmm. uh, it was an insurrection. Um, but and the, the Colorado decision is logical. But, but whether you want courts to be the ones to decide that uh, Canada shouldn't run uh, and can anybody see a Republican-dominated U.S. Supreme Court refusing permission for Donald Trump to run? Probably I'd not. I wonder as well, though, when it comes down to the debates, what what will happen? That the public will very much see Biden will be very isolated, out there on his own, mm-hmm. with no advisors. He'll be up against a guy who is. Let's look. You mightn't agree with what he said, but he's a great debater, mm-hmm. and he's got the the one-liners. He knows how to perform. He is a a, a TV personality. He, despite him being in this, what is he, the sprightly age of 74 now or something like that? No, no, I'm just uh, not sorry, sure. Trump, I mean, oh, Trump. Yeah, no, yeah, Trump is 78. Is he? Mm. All right. So, yeah, so despite correction. this Trump, Trumpy, these young guys up on stage, like Trump uh, will be the one that, that, that will perform better. Now, whether that swings people or not, that'll be a different story. But if, if that's what it comes down to, we haven't seen Trump on stage. He's refusing to go on stage with the other Republican candidates and is instead running his own campaign at rallies, etc., 
but he'll have to there'll have to be a Republican versus Democrat t- televised debate of some description. Part of me feels that it's just inevitable, like that this is just like uh, there's nothing that he can say or do or that can happen to him that is going to change someone who currently wants to vote for him for the, change their mind. Uh, Deck has gotten back in touch for you, Philip, and uh, <laughs> saying, "Come down and have a look, folks. The houses are there to be refurbished. You all have a city viewpoint on things." Well, uh, first of all, I'm from North Cork, so I don't need lectures in what I know about uh, rural Ireland. I grew up in Kilmore. And, and secondly, <laughs> I'm not doubting the fact that there are loads of houses uh, in uh, rural Ireland uh, that are empty and could be refurbished. So I'm entirely in agreement uh, with Dick. But that in itself is not the solution to the housing crisis. That's yeah, the point. I'm absolutely. Um, Joe Biden's campaign is obsessed with Trump, which means that Biden has already lost. That's Will in Limerick. Do you think that that's true? Well, they seem to be banking on 100% that Trump is is going to be the candidate. And if it turns around, and like you say, Nikki Haley is quite a credible candidate. And if she does manage to, to make it through, like, then they're in big trouble. We have a text in here from Joe and I'll move on then. I am a delivery driver on the Galway-Mayo border. I know about 30 never lived in houses that look perfect on the outside. Roofs, windows, doors, 80% finished, just needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Sitting there since the financial crash within a 10 kilometre radius of my town, Joe. Which is fine, that's 30 houses, but it's not the solution to a housing crisis, which needs to be surely like a systemic policy-based yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, look, they're absolutely, your callers are absolutely right. There are loads of houses, not as many as some of the official figures uh, will lead you to believe, because there are reasons why properties are are, are vacant from time to time. Uh, but if, if every one of those houses was brought into action, it doesn't provide housing in places like Dublin and Cork City and Limerick, where there is a housing crisis. And it's not going to be solved by having a house 30 miles out the road without a bus. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, and people agreeing with you that planning regulations should be followed uh, and disagreeing with me that I think you should just uh, uh, just put it up and see what happens uh, because it seems, according to the paper today, that you will be uh, OK. Uh, thank you both very much. Mark Hennessy, Ireland and Britain editor for the Irish Times and Philip Ryan, political editor for Media House Ireland. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine. On News Talk.